You're listening to the Broadway Podcast Network. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh. Sorry, we were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Don't you see? It's so simple. Step one, we Google the biggest flops on Broadway. Step two, we find the crazy stories behind them. Step three, we see how they lose millions of dollars. Millions? Broadway isn't cheap. A lot of fancy people want to be producers. Step four, find out why the show won't go on. Step five, end this episode and head to Times Square. Times Square? That'll never work. Only Broadway successes are in Times Square. Ho, 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 ye of little faith. be a super fun series like nothing we've ever done before a very uh, far departure yeah well sort of though because I feel like I made a pretty good case for this <laughs> you did <laughs> but uh but I will also say it is still a far departure from what we usually do because yeah. what we usually do is written material that was done for a very short amount of time on yeah. a Broadway stage or on a stage yeah. And this is different. So tell us, because I was very, actually very intrigued and excited when you asked me <laughs> if this is something that we should do. So please explain what we are doing today, Miss Ebony. So we have started on the rewatching of the television show Smash Journey. <laughs> Super excited about it. Uh, so it's funny because right before our call, you know, because you usually come to the arts prayer calls that yes. we, that I do. But we, we, for the Smash rewatch, we're rewatching with friends. And then after we rewatch with friends, we're talking about it. So we, I had an arts prayer call before and I was telling everybody I'm late <laughs> for the Smash rewatch. And none of them actually knew what the show was. Oh, really? No, wait. Yes. Someone, someone oh, you mean on the arts prayer? On the arts call. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. The, the two we watched it with, they yeah. knew. They I was knew. Like, wait a minute. Yeah. Yeah, but okay. on the prayer oh, call, they didn't. Yeah, so so I was like, well, we're really in our niche here where it's like not everybody knows. I mean, in these, the friends that we pray with, I mean, they're like two of them are like working on Broadway, Yeah. <laughs> you know, and then the other one's in a, um, he's in a conservatory master's program for acting. And then my other friend, she's, um, she's a, uh, in a company at her, her local theater. Like, so, and she's been doing theater her whole life, like went to school for it. So it was just really interesting. 
like to tell them about it. And they were super excited, you know, yeah. when I explained it, but none of them had ever heard for, from, about it. So it's like right within our wheelhouse of yeah. like letting people know about things that are cool that nobody really, you know, yeah. not everybody knows about. Well, if you recall, when Glee first hit the air, mm -hmm. it was very under the radar. Right. It was theater kids and that was it those right. were the people that were watching glee but then glee it like then it got really like this momentum going yeah and then they started singing more popular stuff and like mm -hmm. and all of that stuff was added into it and then it was like this really popular thing that happened so that was yeah. kind of exciting smash is even more niche than that super niche because yeah. it is all about the broadway world putting right. it like writing a show getting cast uh, or, or casting the show and doing yeah. all of the behind the scenes stuff and then doing the actual performance. So unless you have a real interest in that, it doesn't really draw your, your interest at all. Right. And then even for some people who, you know, like I said, all the people on the call were like, wait, what? And then when yeah. I would give them, they knew the names of the yeah. people that I said were in it oh. and they were just shocked. They had never heard of it before. <laughs> oh, I know. It's interesting. Yeah. And, and also I will say, cause I was working at the time that this was like on the actual TV mm -hmm. and I had mentioned to you, I watched maybe the first four episodes and I just really, I couldn't quite get into it. And I think that was simply because of the timing of it. Yeah. Because you were we, on tour. Right. Exactly. But when we watched that first episode again, I was like, okay, I see this. I like this. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. and also we'll have to, we'll talk about a lot of this stuff later on. I've got notes. Very exciting. <laughs> like a lot of the stuff that I was seeing struck me in such a different way yeah. than it did when I watched it. What was like six years ago? Yeah. Two, two. Well, it's no. So it started 2011, but it oh, was the, canceled oh, 2000. No, I'm lying. Wait, wait, wait. <laughs> 2012, I thought, right? No, I'm sorry. It did get canceled 2013. So you're right. It started fall. I think it so was actually, it started though. fall 2011. Okay. Right. So that the first season ended mm -hmm. May, 2012 and then fall 2012 to summer, 2013 okay. is when it finally ended. So that's so, how, yeah. So nine, almost, yeah. Nine years ago. Yeah. is when it first that's started. That's crazy. I mean, yeah. that's also a little bit crazy because I don't know if you knew this, Ebony, but it's my birthday today. So it I'm is! <laughs> So I'm just feeling a little old. <laughs> oh, I suck as a friend. No, I'm no. bad with calendar. Oh, God. It's okay. <laughs> I'm so good with calendars, except when it comes to birthdays. I don't know what the hell. <laughs> I have, do you know, and it's so funny because I never thought I'd be this person, but I have to, I have to in my phone have all of my nieces and nephews' birthdays in the calendar. Otherwise, I forget. Because I remember some of them, like the early ones, I'm like, yeah, yeah, it's in there. It's in there forever. But like the later ones, I'm like, I don't know. <laughs> and two of them share a birthday. So that Same. one shouldn't be difficult, but I cannot remember. <laughs> yep. Well, happy birthday. Oh, this is a fun. You. Did, did you work today? I did not. I have Sundays oh, off good. now. Yes. Yo, you do. I do. So it's yeah, my so new sad because we could go apple picking, but we can't because COVID. No. I'm telling you, apple picking with you and Christmas are like my favorite. No. <laughs> they 
you. I will take that as a huge compliment because I love going apple picking with you too. It is, <laughs> it is one of those things that's on the calendar. Like there are yeah. really only a few things that I have on my calendar that there is no, no, no question I'm going. Mm-hmm. My beach vacation in May, which I had to miss this year, apple picking with you, and then the holidays at home, <laughs> whatever the <laughs> holidays may be. It's usually January. But like those three things, those are like super important to me. Um, I don't know though, because I feel like because it's such an open air area, I think that you and I should still be able to go. They might just keep the numbers down. Right. Which which would even be better. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Because who needs all this That just means like next month we have to like check in and see what their protocols are. Right. Yeah. But I, I mean, should. We don't usually go until the beginning week of October. Like the week of October. So, yeah. 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 But next so month is not. September. I know. This is nuts. <laughs> this week. And my birthday, it surprised me. So, no shame for <laughs> you. It crept up. Like last week, I was going, I was looking at the calendar and like figuring out what my schedule was and like how many dogs I had. And I went, oh my gosh, next week is my birthday. It was like, <laughs> it took me by surprise. Because this whole year, since March, basically, yeah. has it has taken forever and also taken no time at all. <laughs> it is the weirdest feeling. Yeah. It's yeah. It's so weird. Yeah. My brother's, my, I was talking to my brother um, on Friday, who informed me Hamilton's his favorite musical of all time, which brought <laughs> great joy to this big sister's heart. <laughs> um, but also, I was, he was like, and my my youngest niece, she'll be she'll be three months. Two, yeah, three months. Wow, this month. Yeah, and I was like, crap. Like usually over the summer, I will have seen her by this point. I will yeah. have met her by this point. I was like, I've usually seen the kids three times mm-hmm. by this no, point. It's so hard. Yeah. Uh, it's not the same by any means because it wasn't a quarantine that kept us apart or a virus that was, you know, killing hundreds of thousands of people, millions really globally, if you think of that in, in that spectrum. Yeah. But remember when my nephew Dean was born and my sister kept him from us at the holidays because oh, yes were a thing like they had just been introduced to the United States again because these anti-vaxxers are idiots And so she wasn't going to bring him to see us because of this heightened risk. And he wasn't old enough to get the MMR vaccine yet. And so it was just so frustrating because then by the time we saw him, he didn't know who we were. We all loved him and like went to go reach for him and grab him and give him lots of love and kisses. And he was like scared out of his mind because he was like, I don't know. Like it was super clingy to my sister. And we were all so mad at her because all she had to do was bring him to that Christmas and he would have been fine. <laughs> but yeah, um, it's slightly the same, but not really the same. Yeah. But yeah, I'm sorry. I know. I don't, I mean, we'll see. We'll see how it goes. I felt like when Joy was little uh, and when she was first born, I lived in Missouri. Mm-hmm. And so the time the time I'd visited her when she was only a few months old and got christened, I held her for something like eight or nine hours, mm-hmm. but she was sleeping the whole time I <laughs> yeah. held her, yeah. right? No, it was like five. I held her for at least five hours. I really did nonstop, but she was sleeping. So 
the next time she saw me, she's like, who's this person? Yeah. <laughs> and then it took her a while to be like, I mean, we'll see if I like you. There was like a while of that kind of like little kid yep. look. And then around like, two, not, not yet two, she was about a year and a half. She warmed up yeah. and, and we, we were fine. But like, I it's was a, like, listen, kid. Yeah. You slept on me for five hours. She's like, I don't recall. Listen here. We are blood. We are blood related. Get over here and give your auntie a kiss. She's like, I don't recall any of this. I don't know who you are. Yes. You didn't say joyous. Can I please hold you for five hours? (laughs) Oh, kids. I know. She's my little buddy now. We're fine oh, now. But. I love that. Yeah. Oh, yeah. You've got a great little relationship with her. Yeah. <laughs> She's great. Awesome. So back to the show, because yeah. hopefully one day I can show it to her, but it won't be until she's like 22 because, wow. Yeah. I know. <laughs> it, it took me by surprise how yeah. overtly sexual everything was in this show. <laughs> and I feel like I'm talking like an old lady by saying that, but it really is remarkable I think only because it feels like it was such a long time ago and yeah, yeah. we just didn't show that kind of stuff so long ago but like this so I'm just gonna skip ahead if you don't mind yeah go ahead we can jump all over okay, oh, just peop- so people know this is the pilot episode yes. of smash um it's on the it's on nbc.com for free mm-hmm. you download the nbc app you can watch both seasons for free and that's yeah. what we're doing and we're gonna yes. take you through both seasons so I'm going to skip to the middle of the episode okay. and these are, they're spoiler alerts. We're not going to, we're not going to hold back. So if you don't want to yeah. listen to the spoilers, stop right now and go watch that episode. And then you can come back and listen to us. This is going to be <laughs> very, very much like, um, the podcast. How did this get made? Have you ever I listened to that? I love that, I love that podcast. It so is deeply. one of my favorites. Jason Manzoukas yes. forever. Oh, I, love I love him. him. <laughs> he's the weird, he's like this weird combination of like really, um, like just soft hearted and yeah. super sensitive, but like extremely dirty. Like He's he just the kind of man I want to marry. <laughs> Not the dirty part, but like his sense of humor is, I mean, he just makes me guffaw and yes. I will, I will hoard those episodes for long car drives because That's I love so it good. so much, but I will be in my car all by myself laughing out loud. He's, He's so, I just love it. He him. also loves Maisel. Yes. <laughs> he, so there's a podcast called Maisel Goys. And yeah. because he's a huge um, Amy Sherman Palladino fan, he's on like a couple episodes of Maisel Goys talking Good. about Maisel. Yeah. He, I'm telling you, such a weird combination of like totally. sensitive, he'll cry at the drop of a hat. <laughs> on how did this get made? He wants to like hold babies yes. all the time. <laughs> Give me that baby. Yes. <laughs> oh, I love it. But so I'm going to be very much like Jason Manzoukas, I'm sure, in these episodes. But anyway, (laughs) so skipping ahead to like the middle of the episode. So essentially, just in a nutshell, uh, I know that you guys have already watched it, so you know exactly what I'm talking about. But for the people that decided not to listen to my advice just a second ago, (laughs) (laughs) um, the beginning episode, we see basically the workings of a show coming into fruition. Mm -hmm. So we meet the writers 
and they get an idea by seeing a coffee table book about Marilyn Monroe, and they think, oh, we should write a musical about Marilyn. There's so much about her. And, you know, one of the main themes was, oh, she married Joe DiMaggio. We could write a baseball number. Yeah. And so in the middle of this show, they have kind of put together some of the songs, and now they're wanting to see it on its feet, just this one baseball number on its feet to kind of audition a director. Uh, who's going to choreograph and direct this one little scene. And this song, this is the one that was so overtly sexual to me. <laughs> it really was. The dancing they were doing and the gyrating they were doing together <laughs> was like, I, I almost was like, this wouldn't be on Broadway. Like, they don't do this kind of stuff on Broadway. <laughs> I don't know, though. I mean, I guess anymore. Yeah. But I don't know, man. That, that I, was, so yeah. I had seen... Um, I had seen the concert okay. that they did a smash concert a couple of years ago and recorded it, but then they put it on YouTube as a fundraiser for, um, Actress for Fund? Broadway cares. Okay. Yeah. And so, um, I had forgotten about that song and I, I mean, honestly, I knew a bunch of the songs like in my head, but like I, the numbers I didn't remember cause I yeah. hadn't seen the show, yeah. you know, since it aired. So, um, so I, when that song came on, I remembered how raunchy it was going to be just because <laughs> I had just seen the concert like a month before. Um, but I remember watching it in the concert and being like, Oh, I didn't, I, woo, oh, I didn't remember. You were like, I feel oh like my. I was clutching my pearls during that. <laughs> yeah, clutching like, my oh pearls. My goodness. Yes. I was feeling a little embarrassed. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Yeah. yeah. I do want to call attention to one of the very first scenes that we see with Catherine McPhee. Yeah, and do the it. The line that she says. That made my blood boil. Uh-oh, what was it? This was within the first five minutes, Ebony, and you will remember it very well. Okay, okay. so sh- we see her in this audition. The phone rings in the middle of the audition. The person behind the, the table answers the phone in the middle of her singing her song. Oh, they up. say, shoo, shoo, thank you so much, you can go. And she leaves, and she meets up with her boyfriend at the restaurant that she works at. And he asks her how it goes, and she says something like, oh, they just, they want me to be sexy and blah, 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 but I'm, you know, but I'm not sexy. I'm the girl next door, so they don't see me and blah, blah, blah. She says the line, why do I have to be sexy all the time? I wish I was fat. I don't Do you not hear that? No. Oh, my gosh. It made me so mad. And, like, I, I, I'm, a, I'm amazed because we were all watching this together in a watch party on Zoom. So, like, I was on camera, and I grabbed my notepad pad and my pen, and I was, like, scribbling furiously <gasps> because it made me so angry. Because that right there just, again, puts out into the spotlight how uh. fat people can't be considered sexy, how fat people cannot be the love interests, how fat people have no place being anything other than the best friend or in the back. So and, messed up. Oh, it was so maddening. And I was like, did she just, oh, so mad. Oh, that's horrible. Well, and that's just it though. We saw a lot of things in this episode that are so true to the business yeah. that are all horrible. Yeah. And that was just the opening line. <laughs> 
was I was amazed. I was amazed. But then in the like the next scene, not the next scene, but like several scenes later, then we meet up with Megan Hilsey, who is the seasoned performer. She's been in ensembles on Broadway. She has relationships with these people that are making shows and putting them on and and knows people, has connections, right? Has networked yeah. and done the work. She is she had an audition, didn't get called back. And so she's back in her dressing room after a performance. She takes her wig and rips it apart and throws it on the ground. I was appalled. I was appalled. First of all, because we were not allowed in, in the national tours that I did, we were not allowed to take off our own wigs. That was the job of oh, the hair person. Union. Yes, there are there are very clear rules and very clear lines that you do not cross in this world, such unless you have permission. Like there were yeah. some wigs that were fine if you took them off. I had a page boy wig that I wore in Phantom of the Opera, and I was told, yeah, that's fine. It's because it was literally like a Christine wig that they cut up because the page boy is just supposed to be this dude. Okay. And I could take that one off myself, but none of the other one. These are, these are very expensive lace yeah. front. They are quaffed every night before the hair people leave. And then the next day, all leading up to the performance. So like, these are the work that goes into these wigs. So she did that. And my, I, I had this like reaction, like, oh, what are you doing? <laughs> but the line that was said to her was like, you know, you're going to get fined for that. And I was like, no, no, well, you should be freaking out right now because I'm yeah. freaking out right now but it was like yeah I get it you're you're frustrated but don't destroy someone else's work no goodness no <laughs> see and that that's the soap opera -y part of this show where like that would absolutely never happen yeah well I mean <laughs> I'm sure that it would I mean there are some very narcissistic people in this business and I'm sure that they have you know there have been people that have made very poor choices in this but she was like ensemble member number five yeah. you know what I mean like yeah. you're not your ass is in trouble if oh, you yeah. do that. You, that would be a write-up immediately. Yeah. yeah, and it would be a fine, but that would absolutely be a write-up. That would be something that every producer and every higher-up would know about. Mm -hmm. That would go in the show report. That is how important that is. <laughs> That's crazy. I agree. What else? That's crazy. Oh, you know what I will say, too? Oh, I'm sorry. Do you have No, it's okay. Say? Go ahead. <laughs> Tell me. I just get so excited and I have my little <laughs> notepad of notes. So I have to, there was a moment where she was um, Megan Hilty's character also, and I can't remember their actual names. So you're going to have to help me out there. Yeah, It's all right. So Mel Megan Hilty's Ivy Lynn. Okay. Ivy. Mm -hmm. So Ivy was singing a demo of one of the songs that this, this uh, writing team, which is Christian Borel and mm -hmm. Deborah Messing yeah. are brilliant. In they're those so goals. fun. They are two of my favorite <laughs> characters in the whole show. Cause they're yeah. just so perfect. Um, but they're, you know, they wrote a song, they were going to do a demo to kind of promote it. Uh, and Ivy sings it, but you can tell that when she's rehearsing for this demo, that she's singing live in the scene. And I yeah. was living for it because mm -hmm. we don't do that anymore. Oh, sorry. My alarm's going off. We, we don't do that on TV anymore. Which right. Part of my issue with anything musical theater related, as you put it on TV or in the movie is that everything is so auto-tuned Right, right. 
and I hate that. We've already had that discussion. Like yeah, yeah. I want to hear the pops and the crackles and the character in your voice. And if it's auto-tuned, it's the blandest sound in the whole entire mm-hmm. world. So there was like that moment where you're like, she's singing that live. It was very yeah. exciting. The, um, I know Les Mis, they yes. sang live except for I think like the big scenes because you just And you Russell Crowe, none of his stuff was live. That makes sense. <laughs> Yes, you are right. Now, I think that they always had a safety for, I think that they recorded safety tracks Mm -hmm. in case they weren't able to capture it for whatever reason. Yeah. Um, But I think that you're right in that, like, all of the solo voices Mm -hmm. were live in that moment, which was really exciting. It doesn't, it doesn't, it make such a huge difference. It really does. It really does. If Anne Hathaway's character, Fontaine is crying, I want to hear the snot in her sinuses. Yeah. There's something so much more moving about that. It's true. I completely agree. And uh, I mean, you know, for this show, like, you know, I, I, I was going to make this joke, like, at the end of the pilot episode. I just, you know, I just wish those girls could sing. <laughs> you know, it would be so nice, you know, if they could just belt, oh, I know, carry right? a tone. I wish they would just hire singers for these I know. Things. It's just so upsetting. <laughs> <laughs> so but, true, yeah. but that's, like, no, I mean, you guys, if you've seen the pilot, you know these girls can sing. Yes. But the thing is that, like, so often I'll see a musical show and I'm like, this is. Yeah, like, what happened? This is disappointing. Well, it's. <laughs> why did you choose? Why did we choose these people? Well, there's so I many w- actors who can do the job yes. well who are not known. You. There is a scene in the pilot episode of Smash that answers that question for you. They are in the casting process. Mm-hmm. They have gotten down to the callback. Oh, my name. Mm-hmm. And they're, yes, talking, they're going butt? between Catherine McPhee's character and Ivy. And, they're say, and the director is very clearly saying, no, I, no, they don't, have, they don't have the power behind them. They, we need a name. We need butts in the seats. We need someone that's got the power. And Derek Wills. Yeah, thank you, the, Derek Wills. That's who the character's name. Oh, he's a terrible human being. He's awful. I mean, Christian Borle's character, um, <laughs> Tom Levin, screams about it. Like, so, I mean, he y- literally screams. <laughs> he's a terrible person. And it is the truth. It's so true. It is the absolute truth. Ugh. Derek is a horrifying human being. <laughs> and he's based on so many real people in this business. Yeah. It's disgusting. And he plays it well because you hate him. You hate him from the start. Yeah. He's this this tip this stereotypical director who and in this particular case, he's a straight director. So he he is chauvinistic and he's sexist and he doesn't he doesn't give women their their any of their own authority he yeah. he takes it away from them at Can I any point out one weird yes. thing though sure okay so okay so he rants and raves about how we need a name how we need a name but then when karen comes in it's like he forgot that no right he's so enamored of this girl okay and okay oh, there's so much to <laughs> talk about i feel like we're like 
guys watch this show, but mostly we're to. freaking I know, out. Right? About we're going to tell you about it. <laughs> so, oh, this made me so mad. <laughs> so they have the initial auditions for the Marilyn role in this mm-hmm. show. Mm-hmm. And they show and Annalie Ashford. I'm living for. I Annalie love her Ashford. so much. Oh, I saw her waiting in the room, and I was or in the waiting room, and I was like, "Oh my gosh, I totally forgot that she yeah. was in this." And she's wearing the the gentleman prefer blonde strapless pink dress, totally. looking exactly like Marilyn. She gets in there singing, "I want to be loved by you," <laughs> and was like thanked summarily and like let go and just yeah. it, she's brilliant and I love her. But anyway, getting back to the, getting back to the point, <laughs> there's going to be a lot of that, I'm sure. <laughs> So we get into this, okay, right? And I'm just, I'm just gonna say that in an yeah. audition setting, this is a professional setting, right? right You're going right. in there. This is our job interview. Right. You you dress nicely. You look the part, whatever that is. You don't necessarily mm-hmm. want to dress up like Marilyn Monroe, but you want right. to give them an idea that you would yeah. fit the character if you mm-hmm. were cast that way, right? Yeah. So you give an illusion to it, uh, an illusion, not an illusion. Uh, of the character, of the vintage, of the vibe. Mm-hmm. Catherine McPhee. Karen? Karen uh, Cartwright, yeah. Karen. Karen Cartwright. Karen walks in the room, skinny black jeans and a button-up three-quarter, sh- three-quarter sleeve shirt and sings a Christina Aguilera song. Okay? There mm-hmm. is so much wrong about that. But <laughs> to the director... This is such a refreshing change that he is smitten. He is taken so much by her that he disappears. And it's just the two of them in the room as she's singing. And it's like the most ridiculous thing I've seen in my life. And it makes me angry. I will say, though, when I listened to the words of the song, I got why they chose it. Yes. I totally got right. it. I that was is, like, it makes sense. It's yeah. refreshing, A, to not hear somebody do another Marilyn Monroe song. Because well, there I are even, some mm-hmm. composers who get, they get frustrated when you sing exact, you know what I mean? Yeah. But like, yeah, she just, she looked like a girl from Iowa. But if you're, <laughs> no, I know, right? If you're, if the show numbers are, musical theater or jazz or big band you don't go in and sing a heavy metal song do you know what I mean like I'm making I'm this is a a, an exaggeration on my part but you don't sing a pop song at a Broadway musical theater audition unless it's a pop musical right which this is not gonna be and it was on you lens oh my god (laughs) you lens you she knew she was sitting in a chair copying all the words to the song. Yeah. Like mimicking Ivy. Yeah. So she knew. Of course she did. Yeah. She knew exactly <laughs> she knew exactly the kind of music that she was meant to sing or meant yeah. because that was what the show was about. But she's also meant to be this kind of like I grew up in Iowa and I don't know anything about Broadway. I just know that I want to be a Broadway star. So I'm going to move to New York and work as a waitress and that's how I'll get there. She'd been to like three auditions and was getting frustrated that it wasn't happening for her. I mean, like, this is not the way the business works. Look at Ivy for that. She went to college and she trained and then she worked her way through to get a foot in the door. And she, I'm going to say a spoiler alert, has a famous mother. So it's not like she had to work for it, but she chose to. Now, now, okay. 
I don't remember <laughs> if, wait, no, you're right. Her mom did work on Broadway, but I yeah. feel like we don't know that don't until know that season yet. two, right? Yes. We don't know that yet. Okay. But regardless yeah. of even knowing that or not yeah. knowing that information, like you can see that her path was, a, you know, essentially a meandering but straight line. Right. And she's still, you know, second girl from the right, right in the chorus. Exactly. Yes. Sometimes it just works that way. Sometimes you yeah. get a Broadway debut, your first audition out, and sometimes it takes you years. And sometimes you turn 39 today and you haven't been on Broadway yet. That yeah. is just the way it works. Yeah, it's the truth. <laughs> I was, it was so funny. Um, do you know Rondi Reed? Rondi Reed? Big, oh. Rondi Reed. She's a big Chicago actor, but she's also, she was, uh, played Morrible on Broadway, has done a lot of stuff. Uh, she's won Tony Awards. She's amazing, right? My dad knows her from college. Mm -hmm. And so when I first moved to New York, yeah, I think it was when I first, no, it was when I first moved to Chicago. I was there for like three or four months and nothing was panning out and I was getting so frustrated. And so my dad put me in touch with her just to kind of pick her brain and see, you know, what I needed to do or if I was on the right track and whatever. And the first question that she asked me was, how long have you been trying, hun? And I said, I've been here for like three or four months. And she goes, well, <laughs> so sweet. What a sweet woman to have the patience. Oh, totally. But I think, <laughs> I think everyone needs to hear that. Do you know yeah. what I mean? Like it's not gonna, it's not gonna happen overnight. Maybe it will for you. And that's amazing. Yeah. But then it's not going to happen again. Do you know what I mean? Like it's yeah. not, I left two national tours thinking I'm going to go back to New York and I've got this resume and it's, and I'm going to hit the ground running. Yeah. And the truth of the matter is things change so quickly in this business that if you're not around, they forget you. You could be working for them and they will forget you because you're not in the room anymore. That's what I happened just, with me. I watched um, CBS this morning had Linda Lavin yeah. on and she's adorable, <laughs> adorable. And she's 82 years old. And she said, so you, did you watch the 90th, uh, the 90th birthday celebration for Stephen Sondheim that happened a few months ago? Have you caught up with it yet? I'm not sure. It's on YouTube and it's Pro my favorite thing to. that happened the entire quarantine <laughs> okay. because things got messed up so oh, horribly I at the beginning. Remember? Yeah. Yes, yes, yes. So she's in it and she sings a song from a musical she was in in the early 70s, I think, or mid 70s. I think it was like 1976, actually. <clears throat> but she talks about how she got on the 90th uh, birthday celebration and she, she went basically to a message board and, and it was like announced and she goes on the message board and she's like, um, or maybe it wasn't a message board, but it was the comments online. Yeah. And she commented and it says Linda Lavin. And then it says the time. And then her comments, like, uh, it's something like, you know, I'd like to sing such and such a song from this musical. By the way, this is Linda Lavin, right? Because she was like, nobody asked me because people think I'm dead. Yeah. You know, she's like, you're gone for a little while and every people forget about yeah. you. So you have to remind them. That's what she said. Yeah. It's so true. It yeah. is so true. Yeah. Oh, business. <laughs> Why do we choose it? <laughs> no. She, but you know, she said in the last 
two to three months, she'd been working more in in quarantine because she's making her own stuff. She's doing her own little cabarets at home. Nice. Um, She does a cabaret at home and she has Billy Stritch plays the piano for her. She's like, I've been working more in these last two to three months than I have in the last two to three years. Oh, wow. And she was like, and she says this when she says something that people might be shocked by in the interview. It's very cute, but she's like, and I'm not joking. I'm not lying. (laughs) Yeah. Wow. I mean, we choose this business as crazy as it is because there is a passion and drive to tell stories Yeah, and tell stories in this particular way. And it's like, we don't do it to get rich or have a ton of money. Like there is a call to doing this work. Yeah. I mean, otherwise you're not going to do it. Right. (laughs) You're going to do something else. And a lot of people our age have left to do other things. Yes, and me, myself included. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, it's very true. Yeah. It's hard. It is a hard business to be in. Yeah. It's a hard, because it's, it's conti- you have to continue to prove yourself every moment. Yeah. And that's a lot of work. Yeah. And it's a lot of work to do for free. <laughs> do you know what I mean? Like, yeah. that's, that's very difficult. Yep. And yep. now, yep. I mean, there's been a mass exodus from uh, New York city. city because Broadway is too expensive and, and it's too expensive to live here. If you're not working. Yeah. I mean, it's too expensive to live here when yeah. you were working. Period. Yep. <laughs> so then it's like, then you're not working and then it's like, it's impossible. Yeah. It's very true. Um, all that to say, okay. So back to the show. Yes. Um, let's talk about, Okay, I want to talk a little bit about the assistant because the assistant's the one who actually um, suggested they do Marilyn. And being that I have been an assistant in many different capacities, I was just like, in what world would you record Oh my gosh. Their work and put that on YouTube. Like in what world? I was this makes me angry. Would that too. be okay? Because and you nobody, should be fired immediately. Yes. There are immediately. no repercussions for any of the bad behavior in this show so far. Yeah. Like there's just none. So none. this assistant, while in this demo recording situation with Ivy and the two writers gets out his cell phone and subtly records Ivy doing this number. And it wasn't that post- subtle because the phone was on I the know, piano. Right? But it was supposed <laughs> to be, for our benefit, for the audience benefit, it was supposed to be ninja-like, right? Yeah. And he posts it to Ulens, which is supposed to be YouTube. Yeah. And it blows up. Now, the writers are incredibly angry yeah. and frustrated by it. As they should be. So. Because now their work is out there to be criticized as well as liked. And the criticism, and I love that they made Michael Riedel part of this by calling him (laughs) a Napoleonic Nazi. Well, that's the other thing. The assistant's like, who's Michael Riedel? And I was like, you're fired. You're fired. (laughs) Why are you working in the theater? You're fired. Right. Especially, like, especially working in the place that you're in right now you're working for a broadway writer like a composer and writer like so i don't understand how you don't know just this i mean i know who michael riedel is 
he's never critiqued me, but I know who he is. Like, it's so ridiculous to me. I could. So, but, like, they play it off like, I'm just too young. I'm, I don't know. No. I, I don't know anything it, about no. the world. I, Absolutely you know, I not. So he like says it. that he sent an email to his mom with this video and that she uploaded it. So please, stupid. Moms please. can't even get on Zoom without a ton of help. Please. <laughs> no, there's no, he did it. He's a big jerk, but whatever, they keep him, right? Uh, but it was, it was ultimately his idea to do the Marilyn musical. Like he was, was. reading the Marilyn Monroe coffee table book. And then they were starting to talk about Marilyn Monroe. The two writers were starting to talk about Marilyn Monroe. And then he was like, you should do a Marilyn musical. And they were both like, no, no, it's been done. It was panned. It was terrible. Right. No way, no way. And then they started, you know, talking about it and getting the inkling of an idea. And then as soon as Christian Borle's character said, we could do a baseball number, then it was like, ha ha, we should do this. And, <laughs> and then ultimately they did. This is my question. Okay. So Deborah Messing's character is yeah. taking a year off from writing anything. She's taking a year off because her family is wanting, her family who is, her husband is Brian Darcy James, who my love. And then she's got like a teenage son as well. They're taking the year off so that they can adopt a child. Why does she have to take a year off in order to adopt a child? Well, I mean... From person like I have never adopted, but I do have friends who've been through the process. It is so much work. It's so much work. Okay. And so, like, if she, you know, like, like what Brian says is, once she gets into a, doing a show, she's never home. Yeah. Like, you, you get, um, like, you don't know when they're coming to your house to just inspect oh, to see, see when it's up to par. You don't know exactly when you're kidding a kid. You know, like my friends who adopted a little girl last summer, like they, they got one and didn't have all the stuff they needed. They were like, she's coming. And they had to be ready in three or four days. Like you just, you, yeah. you don't know. Okay. So I guess I didn't realize that that was, well, and that's yeah. ridiculous. So we can talk about that in another episode. <laughs> it's but wild. It like, I'm just like, wait, I'm sorry. What? What is going What? If she were like only writing and not also trying to get it like produced Honestly, and like turn it into a sure. thing maybe, but like he, I mean, there's no possible way like okay. you could, you know, he, he was right to be angry. I got it. Well, I do understand where his anger was because they had talked about it and agreed to right. do some, you know, one particular thing. And now all of a sudden she's, you know, in it. But I also think it felt very much like a device to me instead of yeah. like, coming from a true place but I guess now that you've explained it maybe that does make a little bit more sense yeah it just really... seems like oh that's the excuse you came up with that she had to take a year off <laughs> yeah I mean because because then too it's like you know I don't know if they had decided on which way they're going are they going with an adoption agency or are they going to go with a lawyer if they're going to go with a lawyer then they have to do more work on that you know themselves it's, mm. it's like so arduous but yeah. I mean ultimately worth it so many kids need good homes but. Oh, totally but yeah it's it's I probably would have said the same but it's just because I have some friends who've been yeah. through the process no that makes more sense thanks for yeah. explaining that no problem <laughs> I, would not have, I was like I don't know don't you just go to the baby store <laughs> step into the world of power loyalty and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChapaCasino.com. 
Test your luck in the shadowy world of the Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather, now at chumpacasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. I know it's not as easy as that. I know. No. I'm not, I'm not such an idiot. <laughs> that was a joke, though. That was, I, we know. It was funny. <laughs> Then, okay, so then we were just talking about Michael Riedel, and they made the yeah. comment, Deborah made the comment, she was like, this made me so laugh, and I wish that I had written it out all, but then I would have missed some other stuff that was happening, but she said something like, you know, he, Michael Riedel panned Spider-Man before anyone even got maimed, and it made me laugh out loud. <laughs> maimed, yeah. Because we did that whole two-part, and that was pretty great. That was a great yeah, line. Before totally. anyone got maimed. <laughs> Oh, Lordy. The show's so unfortunate, that whole show. Well, and I do like, though, that they were making um, popular culture references, but popular culture to Broadway. Yeah, it's wonderful. You do have to know the business in order to get some of the stuff that was coming at you, which was fun. It was kind of like little Easter eggs, you know what I mean? So, So, yeah. yeah. (laughs) I will say one other thing that I found just delightful. Was there's this scene that Ivy is on the phone in her kitchen talking to her mother. Yes. It's the tiniest little kitchen. It's got a <laughs> stove, a tiny little countertop, and then a sink. And I thought that is the most accurate representation yeah. of a New York City apartment I have ever seen mm-hmm. in any TV show or movie in my life. It's true. And I was living for it because that people get this um uh, these ex- expectations of what a New York lifestyle it's is. It's friends' fault. It's because of friends. Yeah. Oh my gosh. That because of friends is- and Will and Grace yeah. that were messing. I'm looking at you again yeah. because that although, apartment's not realistic. He was a lawyer, so it it might have worked that way that he was able to afford that apartment. Maybe it was a co-op that he bought. I mean, because like the terrace, really. I know. Well, listen, the friend's apartment was no, that no, because that apartment would have gone for like $6,000 a month easy. At least. At least. And so there's no way that those friends are paying for that apartment. No. Nope. No. But anyway, but this particular, I was like, yes, that looks like my kitchen. I know (laughs) this. I know this apartment and it's real. And it's like, it made me think like, I wonder who on the cast, they were like, can we just film in your apartment <laughs> it was so realistic i loved it <laughs> yeah yeah that was the best one because tom's and um oh gosh what's deborah's name on the show let me see no i'm sorry i'm not using their names at all i need to write a key Here we go uh tom name. tom and julia 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 um their apartments were not realistic <laughs> No. What is I mean, Brian's Tom character? had well, I, I wonder, a foyer. He had a grand piano. He had a huge living room, kitchen, office. Nuh-uh. No. Nuh-uh. Not it. No. No. But You're I also living... wonder, like, maybe they're living in, like, Maplewood, New Jersey. Do no, it was like... the city. Because oh, remember, remember when, uh, okay, so remember when. The assistant comes back and is sitting on the porch. Yes. Or not the porch, but the steps. Yeah, it was yes. clearly like an Upper West Side apartment building. Yeah, but that's still, that's not. And then, yeah, no, they're not. Not for way. what he's making. You don't oh. get rich off of musicals. And like, where Unless was... it's Hamilton no, or totally. D.H. No, absolutely. You're right. You are so right. <laughs> but then also, like, look at Derek 
Derek, the director's character, like his apartment that he yeah. was just like living in temporarily while he was in America was like this industrial warehouse, gorgeous apartment. Yeah. I don't even know, like, I don't even know what I would do with all that space. <laughs> it was, I mean, so unrealistic. So completely unrealistic. Okay, so let's talk about that scene because that. Okay, so this is because that's the last note that I wrote, and I knew we were going to come to it, and I just needed to prepare myself. So we got all the fun stuff out of the way. (laughs) So this, when we we when I had mentioned earlier that there's a lot of stuff that happens in this that is based on real life people and real life events that have happened in this business. I am speaking specifically about the character of Derek, the director. Who I've already said is a chauvinist. He's a narcissist. He is a sexist. Yeah. And he's disgusting. Yeah. He uses people. He manipulates them. And I'm speaking specifically about young, attractive women who mm-hmm. are dependent mm-hmm. on him for a job. Yeah. Uses them and manipulates them into doing whatever he wants them to do just at the prospect of being cast in one of his shows. Yeah. And it's disgusting. It's awful. I mean, this is, you know, we, we've, I talked, I've mentioned this two other times this week, but, you know, Michael Kilgore in his, you know, uh, video manifesto, as it were, he, he said, you know, there's a lot of theater people who haven't been outed for what they've done and Mm. it's going to come out. And, you know, in this episode, while nothing happened, nothing ha- like a- happened to her. What did happen to her is like mentally. It was like mental oh, abuse. Yeah. You know, she so she is at her apartment with yeah. her boyfriend. She's working on her scene for the next day's callback. Yeah, and out of the blue, gets a text message from Derek, the director, saying, yeah. "I'm assuming." come on over and we'll work on the scene together. Yeah. So she puts on some clothes and she hops on the subway and she goes to his apartment where he berates her and makes her feel like less than nothing. Yeah. Asks her, oh oh, yeah, you were working on the scene. What were you doing? Mm -hmm. And she was embarrassed by this question because what she was doing was very private. Yeah. Uh, And, and she said something like I was working on some like it hot. Uh, and so he said, show me in a gross, creepy, lecherous way. Yep. And she freaks out. You can see the panic and yeah. the embarrassment, but also that thought in the back of her mind, like, if I mess this up, I'm done in this business. And right. I've already proven to my parents that I can't succeed. Mm-hmm. So she runs to the bathroom and she's crying. Mm-hmm. And then in this moment, she kind of lifts her head up and her eyes are full of tears, but she decides, okay, in for a penny, in for a pound. And she goes out there wearing his, nothing but his button-up white shirt and sings, happy birthday, Mr. President. And then at the end, now this is where I love it, because at the end, she goes, not going to happen, and gets her butt out of there. Yeah. And I was thinking the whole time, I was like, please, 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 just get out, get out, get out. (laughs) Just get out of there. Run like the wind, Karen. (laughs) Because she's lucky. Yeah, yeah. There are too many stories about girls that have been taken advantage of. No. 
There are too many stories. And they have not come to light because out of embarrassment, because they need to save their career, right. because, you know, whatever it is. Afraid of, of reper- repercussions. Repercussions. Well, we look and at unfortunately, Harvey these White- men are still in power. Yes. Goodness. Harvey Weinstein is the one that everyone knows about right now because he was put out there. This was the Me Too movement. All of these actresses, these Hollywood A-list actresses came out and finally said he raped me. He, you know, manipulated me. He made me feel this way. He, this is what he did. This is his casting couch. And it had been happening for decades. Yeah. And, and unfortunately it is the nature of this business. And I think for a long time, much like sexual harassment, Mm -hmm. you just kind of took it in stride. Do you know what I mean? Like, even I felt this way when I was first in the business, it's like, you know, we just, we tap each other on the butt and we talk to each other that way. And like, it's just a very physical place where, you know, it, you have to become very intimate with people very quickly to be able to do theater. And so like, yeah, these are just the normal things. But even like, even hearing myself say that right now makes me feel a little bit icky because yeah. I did feel that way. Like at one time in my, in my professional life, I thought this was an okay behavior and as I get older, I really understand that it is not. Yeah. That nobody gets to touch me unless I want them to. It's that nobody another, gets to talk to me that way. It's another part of the white patriarchy yes. that we are dismantling, right? Like, th- this is another piece of it that still has a lot of reckoning that has to be done because what has been happening for so many generations is like, you know, white men have been on top and mm-hmm. so they've suppressed everyone oh, else yeah everyone else so women no matter what race racial background they come from they've all been suppressed lgbtq plus because it's mostly straight cisgendered mm-hmm. uh white men and so you know this is another huge you know, we have the Me Too movement, we have Time's Up, but I, there's so many who are still working, who are still operating in this fashion, yeah. who are, who have, their their reckoning is coming, but hasn't come yet, and it's just, it needs to happen soon, because yeah. there are people whose lives are being destroyed, there are very talented people who have left the business because yeah. of the ways that they've been treated, the ways in which they've been assaulted, and the, and the ways in which, um, They've been manipulated, and I or, think that or people that have left the business before even starting because they were unwilling to put right. up with the treatment. That's right, and they were ostracized or blacklisted because they were unwilling to do yeah. so. And so, I mean, you know, this that that scene. I remember feeling like pissed off when I watched it, but it's just like a whole other level um, when I hear just so many of the stories coming out not that like Ugh. i don't have my own me too you know moments sure. I, I think we all do we all do yeah i mean that was like oh. i know super yeah. frustrating um and something that needs to be dealt with on a happier note yeah can we please talk about the ending of the episode yes <laughs> <laughs> because I, it's so corny, but I still get chills watching it. Don't hate me. 
it's a good number. Yeah. It, it is really a real, is. All, I will say that I do remember liking all of the musical numbers that were introduced yeah. in this show. They're all really well written. But this particular, what's the, Let Me Be Your Star is the name yes. of the song, right? Mm-hmm. Yep. Start off with Catherine McPhee's character singing and she's just getting ready for the callback. Uh, and then you skip to Ivy's character and she's, or Ivy, uh, who is also getting ready for the callback and she sings her part of it. And then they come together and the voices together are just beautiful. And it's like, it is really, it is a really stirring moment. <laughs> what I think, you know, you and I, and anybody that grew up loving musical theater, mm-hmm. those are the numbers that we yeah. love so much and that make us feel. They stir our hearts. They make us want to see and sing musical theater. Like those yeah. are the numbers. You know, and in every show, there is at least one of those numbers. And we yeah. all, everyone knows every single word of those numbers. <laughs> it's true. They're great. They're so good. Yep. So yeah, I agree with you. I was goosebumpy as well. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and those two ladies can sing yeah. so well. Oh you man. You know what? Their acting is impeccable too. Impeccable. For, for Catherine being yeah. so green. Completely. And I think, and she was the one that was even most moving to me too, because in, especially in the scene where she's in uh, director, disgusting director's apartment. I don't even want to use his name anymore. He's just gross. (laughs) Um, you can see everything written right there on her face. And it's so, it's so brilliantly acted because it's not like in your face. It is all of the subtext going through her mind. Yeah. It's so good. She's, she's really good. I think across the board, there's not a single actor that I don't like in this show. Yeah, so far. No, they're all great. I mean, they're all really good. I, I would, I, I had, I don't know if I, like Angelica Houston's entrance. <laughs> I know. <laughs> Just, I was like, okay. I remember watching this and being like, I want to be her when I grow up minus the divorce. Like, I don't want to <laughs> yeah. go through any of that. Yeah. Um, but just like, like, I mean, she is going to do what she wants to do. And even if her, like, nay, I mean, just by. Yeah. <laughs> yes. The skin of her teeth, her nails digging in, she will get the show produced. And it's just like that one pilot episode, I remembered her whole arc and like her as a woman fighting. Mm-hmm. Like all these men in power to try to get this show about a woman who yeah. was, you know, looked down upon and treated as a, an object and not yeah. as a human being, you know, just, just, I mean, fought tooth and nail for the two years to get that show produced, like almost went bankrupt, almost was homeless to try to get it up. And I just yeah. was like, I remember watching and, uh, you know, I don't know that I want to be that close to bankruptcy or in trouble <laughs> or anything, you know, but just like that tenacity. Yeah. <sighs> that not, it's not desperation because it's much more uh, assertive than that. Yeah, totally. It's, it's yeah. just, yeah. Yeah. The importance of it. There is, there is a passion behind it. Yeah. Good. That's yeah, good I stuff. love it. <laughs> Have we missed anybody? <laughs> um, I 
don't think so. I don't think so either. The son didn't really have a big part this episode. Like he will eventually. No. Yeah. Um, the husband, her ex, hasn't had a big part yet, but he's going to be another piece of garbage man. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> um, yeah, and her and and um, Karen's boyfriend, Dev. I yeah, do remember his name. I don't know why I remember <laughs> his name and nobody else's. <laughs> he has later on in the season. He has a great like Bolly. They have a great Bollywood. I- love Bollywood yeah it is a guilty <laughs> pleasure for me because it's so it's it's just the other side of the coin to musical theater as follows as far as I'm concerned like I yeah. love it there it's it is over theatricized it is <laughs> it is amazing and I love the dancing and like there's always hundreds of people involved yeah. in big Bollywood numbers I love Bollywood <laughs> so that that's later on that should be fun um, that will be fun. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm I'm always nervous now because I'm like, I remember in 2011 it was fun, but like, is it <laughs> racist now? I oh, won't know no. until I see. You know oh, what I mean? Lord, yes, That's I why do. I'm like hesitant. I'm like, it could be great. It could be terrible. I don't know because I haven't seen it in a few okay. years. Well, let's just say. Because I think you, we can, what we remember it being can yeah. be the same as what we remember, but we can yeah. always come back and say, okay, listen, so I've changed my mind. <laughs> we're always allowed to do that. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I think we're always allowed to do that. There's a yeah. lot of stuff that I've gone back and watched and been like, oh, that's mm. problematic. Like, yeah. <laughs> and, you know, and it's not just the nine years ago. It's, you know, going back several decades. Yeah. Um, well, even the first line that I just mentioned, yeah. like, why do I, have I don't to even remember, I don't I remember I that. I, I'm, I'm so angry about that line. <laughs> it's, she's, it's when she first sits down at the table with Dev at the restaurant that she works at. And that's what she says. It's ridiculous. I mean, it's, it was just like, what? So that was problematic. In my real life, I actually have a tank top that I pulled out of the closet to wear. This was mm -hmm. a couple weeks ago. And it's uh, got a colorful picture of an owl. Yeah. But what I didn't realize is that the owl is wearing a Native American headdress and it says, be brave. Oh, no. So I took it out and I went, I can't wear that anymore. No. <laughs> and I threw it to the side and I was like, <gasps> but I even like went, is this appropriate? And I was like, it's not appropriate. No. It's not anymore. And that's just the nature of, of what we're going through right now. Yeah. And I think that, you know, this was a very easy change to make. Um, I'll just Marie Kondo that right I know, away. right? Well, I'm just going <laughs> to throw that in the garbage can, actually, because yeah. nobody needs to be wearing that. No, and no. It literally was like, I never would have thought about that, except now it's in my consciousness, which is yeah. what this whole movement is about. And I think- yeah watching back episodes of stuff like this, seeing where the problems are mm -hmm. helps us to make better decisions now. Yeah. That's what, that's why history is so important. It's true. It's true. And learning the real history and it not is. just the making peanut butter part of it. <laughs> the making peanut butter part. Okay. Cause I just heard a story. So George I've Washington never heard Carver. of that though. I've never even heard that saying. Okay. Well, I just made it up. So <laughs> we were taught that George Washington Carver invented peanut butter, but he did so much more. Like yeah, he, he did. basically fed all of his black 
and and other people of color in his area like in his mm -hmm. area he fed them he kept them fed and when when my people decided they were no longer gonna oh you're not gonna be our slave anymore well i guess you're cut off for good then right so then these people were starving george stepped in and was like well i'm taking care of my people and did that we know him because he invented peanut butter which he didn't even do right no he didn't <laughs> that was i mean i had only just heard that and that was because of TikTok. <laughs> ebony i'm learning so much on TikTok. <laughs> <laughs> that should be that, i mean that's illegal that should be illegal like that yeah, something like that because i remember learning that in school right well we have to remember though who writes the history books right yes White that's why we don't know keep their power right right i saw um well, I did see it as a, like a meme, but also my therapist said this to, to me. Hmm. I love my therapist. <laughs> just black. I mean, she's a black woman. So it's like when I'm front, like, and she loves Jesus. Yeah. Um, but she said, she said, um, she was like, she said, white people really know that we're special and that we have incredible power and she's like and this is why yeah the society wants to hold us back because the moment we realize we have the creativity the power the strength everything that god has put within us yes then we will excel and they're going to be pissed off yeah they know that I'm getting, I'm getting a little bit of a quickening in my chest. It's so good because it's so good. Yeah. yeah. Um, I felt that way for a long time about being a woman. And yeah. if women were given just an opportunity to show what we are truly capable of, mm -hmm. that we would, we would be much more a part of the decisions that are being made. So yeah. it is, it is every marginalized group of people. Yep. If we were allowed to show our potential, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. we would overtake the people that have been oppressing us. Yep. That's right. That's right. I, I remember um, having this discussion with my roommate <laughs> and I and we like had this discussion and, and then started saying, you know, I was like, I said, Megan, we just need to have the confidence of mediocre white men. And then I was like, wait a minute. That's, <laughs> That's like a t-shirt or I think that's on a friend's bag or something. And so then like a few days later, I went to Italy with my friend Kaylee yeah. and the last day we're in Rome and she pulls out her bag and is walking around and it says, carry yourself with the confidence of a mediocre white man. And I said, you, it was you at the bag. That's where I saw it. That's amazing. So I had to take a picture and send it to Megan because I was like, that's where I'd seen it. Oh, that's brilliant. <laughs> yeah. That is brilliant. And I love it. Well, and yeah. here's the, this is the, this is the, the, the part of it that makes me so angry is that the people, and I'll just call them the people in charge because that's essentially yeah. what they are. Yeah. The people in charge think that by giving other people power, by giving the marginalized their due, yeah that they are then going to end up as oppressed as the marginalized people that they have put there right right 
but that's not actually the case because the people that would come into their own power would never put another human being in a position to feel oppressed or marginalized. But that's the thinking. They don't want to be in a position that they are putting other people. Right. Well, and I think the other piece of that though is like, when that's how your brain works to oppress other people so that you can be on top. Of course, you're going to think like other people are going to do that to you because yeah. that's how you operate. So you think you of others what you are capable of yourself. That's right. So like the notion of equity like doesn't register yeah. because it's like, no, 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 that's not what's going to happen. They're going right. to try to oppress us. And that's why you have like white supremacists walking around saying things I won't repeat Ugh. about other people groups. Um, because they don't want to be replaced. Yeah. I mean, listen. Maybe we sh- they need to be replaced at this point. <laughs> if you're thinking like that, you yeah. do need to be replaced. Yes. If you're going to be an accomplice and an ally, then you can walk with us and mm-hmm. be in an equitable society right. where there's room for everyone to be successful. Yes. There's this great graphic that I've seen. You've probably seen this as well, but there's yeah. three, three people all trying to look over the fence. Uh, and it shows the difference between equality and equity. Mm-hmm. And in equality, they all get a tree stump to stand on. But you've got a really tall person that could already see over the fence. And then you've mm-hmm. got a medium-sized person who can now see over the fence. And then you've got a really short person that even with the help can't see over the fence. But then in equity, you give one tree stump to the medium-sized guy and two tree stumps to the short guy, and suddenly now everybody can see over the fence. Mm -hmm. So it's not an issue anymore. That's all we're asking. If you don't need a tree stump, don't take one from someone who needs two. Yeah. It's as simple as that. It seems simple. I'm like, these memes seem so simple, but people still are just like not, Mm. oh, man. I don't even well, know how do we even get like on flip. this. I don't I even know. remember. I, don't <laughs> uh, I know we were talking about the show. Yeah. <laughs> um, Who knows? Learning. Oh, you were watching past episodes and not really oh, remembering yes, yes. whether or not they were problematic. Yes, that's right. <laughs> that's right. But, well, yeah. so we hopefully you guys, you know, enjoyed this new format that we're taking this season. Yeah, we're going to do this for yeah. the, I think it's a total of 30, 37, 34, 34 okay. episodes. Um, it could be and, that we double up some, who knows? Yeah, we don't know. But we're, we are going to do all of them. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I hope that you join us for the ride. It's a, who <laughs> knows how long we might be closed down again. Nobody yeah. knows what's going on because nope. the numbers are going up. So listen. You might have plenty of time to binge watch. NBC is free. <laughs> Theater's yeah. not opening until God only knows when. I yeah. was talking to On that note, that I do want to say, be an arts hero. Yeah. Guys, call your Congress people. Follow Be an Arts Hero on Instagram. We got to help our people out. It's yes. rough. Please. You were asking, you know, I, well, I'm not asking for it. The Broadway community and the people that have been affected by this the most are asking for that continued $600 per month along with yeah. their unemployment insurance because they cannot work right now. Yeah. 
their job and also now their backup job are both the kind of jobs that do not, you know, are not essential. So we need to be able to take care of our people because arts is incredibly important in this society. And if it disappears completely, we are not anything that we should be. Remember the fall of the Roman Empire? Let's just remember that. I bet. And if you don't know, guys, Google it. I mean, come on. Um, one last thing I will say too is I saw um, Billy Porter on MSNBC. He did Morning Joe because he's one. He's uh, he he's one of the like founders of Be an Arts Hero. Yeah. And so he was giving some statistics that were really really startling. Huh. Um, most of them I knew, hmm. but the worst one. That has just messed me up since I saw it was he said 12,000 arts institutions have already said they know they won't, there's no possible way they'll return after the pandemic. Oh, that's such a shame. 12,000? 12,000. And that was just as of a few days ago. Like, I mean, the way things are going, that number could probably go up. Well, and let's be honest, you know, at this point, I, I think, well, we were talking about this before. I'm skeptical by nature for some reason. And I almost want to say that it's, that even spring of 2021 is maybe, maybe being a little bit too optimistic. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, if you're talking about, you know, in March, Fauci said 18 to 24 months for there to be a vaccine, like, You know, and it's just like the economics of Broadway just don't work to only have 27% of the audience in the theater. So, you know, and then you've got a lot of Mm anti-maskers, you know, you've got anti-vaxxers. I don't know what we're going to do. And you've got people like me that will not feel comfortable going into any establishment with more than than a handful of people until there's a vaccine. Right. Well, like, and that's why I said, even with anti-vaxxers, you have anti, you know, so it's just like. I just, this just support difficult. the arts, guys. Please. Well, and, and Follow, also, hashtag oh. save the arts as well. Follow that oh, yeah. too. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. That's, yeah. So that's important. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you so much for listening. Yeah. Uh, we're excited to be with you next week about episode two. Watch on the NBC.com app and follow along with us. Please. Bye, guys. <laughs> Bye. <laughs>
at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply.